Welcome to the Go Hard Chick Podcast. This is your host, Crystal Holmes. And today in this episode, this is a special episode that I wanted to release in honor of the memory of Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Philandro Castile, and countless others who are unfortunately too numerous to name. In this episode, I asked some friends to come and share their feelings about life as a black person in this country. And you know, after asking people to share, I realized myself that I have been so traumatized by the recent events within the last two weeks that I could hardly speak. Although this podcast is supposed to be a bi-weekly podcast, I have been releasing content and episodes pretty much on a weekly basis whenever I have something that I want to share. But I, I couldn't move last week. I couldn't force myself to record anything. And I needed that time to really think about what is going on in this country currently and just how I have been traumatized as a black woman. And I realized during this time of introspection that I have suffered trauma solely because of the color of my skin since I was a child. I remember being a preteen, being followed in the local mall by security. I guess they thought because I was black, I was trying to steal something. But I was just a young 13-year-old shopping in the mall with my mother. And once they saw me approach my mom, they immediately turned the other way. I remember being a little bit older and driving and seeing the blue lights of the police behind me. And although I've never experienced a bad interaction with the police myself, because of what I've seen, because of what I've heard, anytime I see blue lights, my stomach sinks. I become fearful. And that fear hasn't subsided over the years. It's grown worse. And just when you think you're on your way in the world, just when I thought that I had started this new legal career and I'm going to be this super lawyer, I remember early in my legal career being a prosecutor and a white woman approaching me in the courthouse saying to me, I'm surprised to see you here. And I looked at her and I replied, well, why is that? And she said, because they normally don't let black people stand in the front. You can imagine my expression. Here I am, 
one of two black prosecutors in this particular county, or in this office, I should say. And she immediately tried to describe herself as an ally. She said she was married to a Mexican man, and she understood racism and how racist this particular county was. But that so struck me and stuck with me. And even though I, I do believe she meant some good by that statement, that was still traumatic. And this wasn't in 1974, 1965. I mean, I'm not that old. This was in the early 2000s. In Metro Atlanta, I'm being told they don't let black people stand in the front. And then a few years later, maybe two, three years later, I remember being on my own and I'd started my own law practice and marching into another county courthouse as a criminal defense attorney. And I get ready to go through security. And one of the deputies say, ma'am, where are you headed? And I explain to him, I'm going to this courtroom here. I've got a case. Oh, yeah, he said. Let me see your bar card. And I thought to myself, (laughs) wow, here I am, a black woman, and this deputy doesn't think I'm an attorney. Why would I lie about that? And I wondered how many black or how many white lawyers get carded when they would walk into that same courthouse. So these are just a few examples of trauma I've experienced solely at the hands of white people and solely because I'm black. And it has affected how I move in this world. It has affected how I choose or have chosen to wear my hair. You know, I've chosen certain hairstyles because I didn't want to offend certain people. I've played down my blackness and how I dress and how I wear my hair. I've played down my blackness in certain situations and how I speak. And I do a whole lot of code switching on a daily basis. I have chosen to live in the black community, not only because I believe that I should support my race, and support my community, but because I want to be able to take a jog in my neighborhood and not have the police called upon me because I look suspicious. I choose to live in a black neighborhood because I find comfort walking out of my front door and looking across the street at my black neighbor and looking to my right at my black neighbor and looking to my left at my black neighbor and knowing that I belong there because I'm black and I feel safe. And frankly, after going to work all day in in a somewhat hostile environment where I have to suppress my blackness, I don't want to have to do that when I get home. This trauma has also affected how or where I send my child, what activities she's engaged in or involved in. Are they owned and operated by black folks? And don't get me wrong, I love supporting my race. But I have selected schools solely with the purpose of 
making sure that these schools were diverse and making sure that my daughter saw black teachers and black administrators so that she could go in there and learn and learn how to read without having to deal with someone treating her unfairly or mistreating her because she's black. I didn't want her to have to deal with that burden early on in her education. Living this way is unfortunately normal to a lot of black folks, but it really isn't normal. Living in this sort of trauma is not normal. It is not normal. Living in fear of the police, living in fear of moving the way you want to move, wearing what you want to wear, that's not normal. The purpose of this episode is to encourage us to acknowledge the pain, to verbalize it, to write it down, to share it, to stop being afraid, to live in our blackness. A week ago, I got braids for the first time in my life. Well, I had them as a child. But as an adult, I was always afraid to get braids because I was afraid of what certain people might think of me. They might think I'm too black. They might think I'm not professional enough. But you know what? I don't care what they think. And I got braids and I feel free. So go hard, chicks. And any men out there who may be listening, now is the time to be free. Acknowledge the pain, then use the pain and the trauma to mobilize and fight for change. I hope you will listen to this episode and to my friends that agreed to share. And I hope you share this episode with others. And I hope you start your own dialogue amongst yourselves and your friends. And that you begin with your own self-healing, however you deem fit. Katisha shares her experience in mothering a black son. And her constant fears and worry for her black son living in this world. What does it feel like to be a black mother in the year 2020? Well, right now I feel the same as I feel every day because from the moment I knew I was going to be responsible for parenting a boy, I began to worry about everything I would need to know about raising a black male in America. My son is 15 years old and he'll be 16 in September. Before this horrific event, I sheltered my son because I wanted to monitor his whereabouts as much as possible because this is not the first time that we've seen an African-American man, an African-American murdered by a police officer. My son doesn't have a lot of friends outside of school because I just have a hard time trusting the world right now. However, we are consistently engaging in what if conversations And he's pretty good at noticing when situations aren't fair. And he will have those conversations with me. While my son attended kindergarten, first and second grades, I was fortunate um, to have the involvement of my parents in raising him, which meant that my father 
was a very important, played a very important role in making sure that he understood how to be not only a, 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 a man, but to also, but also how to be an African-American man in this world. However, now that he's a teenager, he, of course, he's ready to start driving. And I'm just terrified. We can practice what to do if he encounters the police. However, it all depends on the situation and the police officers involved. My son is mannerable. And most people who encounter him fall instantly in love with him. But I remind him that there are people who will look at his skin and make negative assumptions about him. It's easy to teach my son to be confident and outspoken. However, I have to balance it with instilling a respect for authority and to remind him that making it home is the most important thing he can do. Seeing George Floyd on the ground with a knee in his neck angers me. There was no reason for it. And although I never want to see my son in that situation, I have to accept it can happen in any moment. So imagine living with that fear every single day. It's not fair. And our sons deserve so much more. Demetra shares a frightening experience she had when she encountered the police while driving. It is an all too familiar fear that a lot of black folks carry with them. There are some of us black folks who seem to feel like we're a little bit far removed from everything that's going on right now today with the whole Black Lives Matter movement just completely detached but I'm very well aware of what this whole movement means to me and the impact that it's had on my life on October 13th 2018 I was traveling from West Palm Beach Florida back to Atlanta and then I noticed the blue lights on. It was about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. I became terrified. Um, I was nervous. I was shaking. As I pulled over on the side of the road, I sent a text message to my spouse. I sent a text message to my best friend. I said, I don't know where I am. I'm in some rural area in Georgia right outside of Macon, and I've been stopped. And I was scared. I saw the officer get out of his car with his hand on his service weapon, and I began to shake. And the only thing I kept thinking about was, God, I don't want to end up like Sandra Bland. I don't even know where I am. I put my cell phone on the seat next to me. I rolled my window down. And the only thing I could think of was I needed to assume the position. I put my hands on the steering wheel so the officer could see them. 
and I was shaking. And once he approached and asked his questions, I still continued to assume the position with my hands on the steering wheel, answering each question with a yes, sir, and a no, sir. And I was enraged. I was angry because of how afraid I was. I was angry that I had to be afraid. I was angry that I had to think to assume a certain position to save my life. Because I knew that any wrong move, any wrong word, and I could have been another Sandra Bland. And I drove home that night crying. And, and every time I think about the incident, I truly get upset. I have never been so afraid in my entire life. And as I watch these protests, I'm reminded of what I felt like that early morning on October 13th, the fear that I felt from a simple traffic stop. No one should ever be afraid just because they're being stopped by a police officer for a simple traffic violation. Black lives matter. And I realized that day that when that officer saw me, the only thing he saw was my black skin. And I knew how much my life mattered to me. And to this day, I'm still very angry and filled with rage whenever I think about that incident. And I'm tired. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of crying when I share this story. I'm tired. Black lives fucking matter.